0: Would you turn with me to your study outlines? And if you want to use your smartphone or your mobile device, you'll see how to access that behind me. If you wanted, as you came in, they're always in the lobby. There are paper copies of our um, study outlines. You can always use the paper copy. Or behind me, you can see how to access uh, either the smartphone or the mobile device. So if anybody needs a paper copy, raise your hand, and somebody will go back there. Lisa's going to go back there and grab you a paper copy. And, you know, that breaks her heart because she she's the tree saver uh, among us. Okay, so she and Tomiko always want to save the trees by going online. And I'm the tree destroyer, so I'm the one that always likes my old-fashioned uh, paper outlines there. We've been doing a series called The Other Six Days in which we talk, we look about how does God view our work, how can we uh, do our work the other six days. You know, we always talk about what happens on the day when we worship God and study His Word and what we're supposed to do after hours from our work when we uh, serve other people or serve God. But we don't talk about how we can glorify God in our work. And so this series is called The Other Six Days, How We Can Glorify God in the Way We Do Our Work. Now tonight what we're going to talk about is work and balance how to beat burnout? How many of you have ever in your life at any time had a trouble balancing the demands of your life? You know, everybody's there. Now, we wear busy as a badge of honor. And sometimes we catch ourselves, I know I catch myself, being busy for busy's sake rather than doing the thing that I'm actually uh, meant to do. And sometimes my frantic busyness is of my own making rather than something that God's asking me. Somehow I feel like God wants me to be busy all the time, and instead he wants me to do a few things well, but to get off the treadmill of always being busy and frantic all the time. And a major theme of tonight is that if you get, if you spend some time alone with God, praying over your schedule, and and, and Pastor Lisa's going to lead us in doing this at the end of our time, and spend time alone with God, it's amazing how he will show you what really needs to be done and what doesn't need to be done. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, this is such a practically helpful thing. I've been amazed at how sometime I'll think, Lord, there's just not, there's so much to be done this today. There's so much to be done this week. I can't possibly get it done. But if I pause before I go into my day and pray over my schedule and say, Lord, is there anything here that I'm looking at wrongly? Is there, is there something you want to show me? it is actually supernatural how all of a sudden my schedule will rearrange with God's help before my eyes and I will see what I no longer need to do and what is instead the most important thing to do rather than just being busy for busy sake. I remember when I was a kid, I was 10 years old, and I went to a real wilderness camp up near the Canadian uh, border in the Adirondack Mountains in upstate New York, and it's a vast uh, wilderness area. Nobody thinks of New York as having a big wilderness area, but it's the biggest wilderness area east of the Mississippi is the Adirondack Mountains. So I was a 10-year-old. We, we go on this camping trip in the middle of nowhere, and my counselors had a compass that the needle stuck and didn't go to magnetic north. It, 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 was, it was a sticky, it had a sticky needle on the compass. So we end up completely lost, hiking up the wrong mountain. We ended up on the very wrong mountain to where we were supposed to be. And I just think that's such a great analogy of our lives many times. If we don't take the time to ask God, what is it you really want us to do in our lives, we can spend our lives running just like that person there, and find that we've climbed the right wrong mountain rather than the one that God wants us to climb, uh, being busy for busy sake. Now, God will help us with that temptation. That is one of the temptations of modern life. He says, no test or temptation that comes your way is beyond the course of what others have had to face. All you need to remember is that God will never let you down. He'll never let you be pushed past your limit He will always be there to help you come through it. So the Bible promises that if you are struggling with busyness and balance in your life, the Bible says if you will ask God for help, he will help you to figure out what really needs to be done by the time your life is over and what does not need to be done. Get off the treadmill, climb the right mountain, and make sure that our efforts are going in the right direction. Now, Lisa's gonna come up. Balance is important to God.
1: Thanks, Glenn. Hey, so um, what do you do when you get stressed? Anyone? Eat. Yeah. Eat. Eat. Are we a unified crowd? We all eat. <laughs> and here's what's wrong with our country. Okay. Watch TV. Okay. All right. So here we go. I got I to kind of get warmed up here. Okay. Someone taught me how to juggle when I was in high school. Not very well, obviously. But um, I learned how to juggle when I was in high school. And when I went to college, um, you know when you're in college and you think the world's going to end because you've got three finals and you know, that's as stressed as you think you could ever be a college student. And so I would juggle. I would go down the halls and I would like, practice whatever it was that I had to like, you know, resuscitate for my professors the next day. And so this became one of my coping mes- mechanisms that I would use. I haven't done it for years. I just started thinking about balance and how we balance um, our lives
0: perfect imagery of her life. (laughs) Except I need like 25 balls. Yeah
1: I tried but I'm bad at three. I can't do anything more than that. So um, but I started thinking about this idea of juggling and there's a couple of things when you juggle. Um, Often when you're learning how your temptation is to want to watch the ball that's caught in your hand because we're so used to using our hands to do stuff. But if you're watching me where's my eyes? on the one in the air, right? You got to keep your eye on what's going on in the air. So this isn't a perfect metaphor because it eventually breaks down because you got to be able to catch and throw at the same time. So it really is a catch and release process. But the whole idea of our lives is that we've got a lot of balls in the air, right? Can anyone amen that? A lot of balls in the air. And I am right there with you. I um, love my job, but I am a self-proclaimed workaholic. Um, My husband will tell me uh, or will tell you that I, I work too much. And so I really have um, my own personal struggle with this idea of work and balance and, and how you figure out doing that, how you balance family and work and all the fun things in your lives and friends. Um, it, it's hard to balance that. And so it has been so fun for me as um, Pastor Glenn and I have been working our way through this work series that we've been doing to look at what God says about the idea of balance and that this really is something that is important to God. Balance in our lives is important to God. So there's this wonderful passage in the Old Testament, and I just want to read it to you, and you've probably heard it before. Um, And it it talks about how there is a time for everything. And I love that this was included in the Bible, because it really gives us a sense that there is a time and a season for all the different things in our lives. Um, This is a kind of a a poetic passage, so let it just kind of wash over you like poetry, okay? There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. There is a time to mourn and a time to dance. There's a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. There's a time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. There's a time for war and a time for peace. Don't you find it fascinating that God would kind of lay this out for us in Scripture that there is a time or a season for all these different activities, and I love this because it shows that God knows the complexity of our lives. God made us; God knows that we are created with many giftings and the opportunity to be involved in a lot of different things. And I think sometimes, especially for those of us who are followers of Jesus, um, the question of busy isn't always like, "Is it? Am I doing?" bad things or doing good things. Often all the things that we're doing is good. It's like we're doing too many good things. So how do we sort through those and figure out which balls to keep in the air right now and which ones that we need to to set down? Um, Sometimes it just escapes us where our time goes. Do you ever get to the end of your day and lay down in bed and think, Where did today go? How did I just live my life today and not get the things done that I had meant to accomplish? Things sneak by us so quickly. And so it really is helpful when we just pause for a moment like tonight and reflect a little bit on where our time goes and what it is that we do with time. Because we all have the exact same amount of time, right? None of us gets to have more time than the others. We all have 24 hours in a day that we have to figure out what we do with. So, you know, I think nothing brings clarity to how we spend our time by looking at it in black and white. So if you guys could put the chart up for me. I just put a chart up here, and this is something that you can really easily create. You can do that right there, you know, if you're bored out of your mind. Just create your own chart, and you can kind of work on filling this out of where you spend your time. And somebody taught me to do this a long time ago. Actually, when I was first going into college that you just put the days of the week and the, the times of the day. And you can kind of start it based on when you get up or maybe when you go to bed. And that you start to fill in the blocks of these times. Um, I actually encourage you to do it two ways. One way you do it first, how you spend your time. Like, think about your days and what you do when you wake up. I mean, who, um, who does this when you first wake up? Check your messages, check your inbox. What do you do when you first wake up? And what's the last thing you do before you go to bed? And think about how you're spending your time. And when you write it down in black and white and you start to look at it, you're like, oh, that's where all my time is going. Do I really watch three hours of TV a day? Is that possible? Do I really um, spend like five minutes with my family at dinner time? What does your time look like? And then what I would suggest is you print a second chart. And you fill it out the way that you'd like to see your time spent. Because when we are intentional with our time, it helps us fight this busy. It helps us understand that our time is a gift that God has given us. And that we get an opportunity to spend that time with intentional focus. And just as this passage in Ecclesiastes says, there is a time for everything. God has given us enough time for everything. So if we don't feel like we're doing and using our time to the best of our ability, it's time to restructure our time. It's time for a do-over. It's time for a looking at that and being intentional with how we use our time. So we're going to talk a little bit. Um, Pastor Glenn's going to come up and talk a little bit about some of the things that's important to put in your schedule and make sure that those things happen.
0: At least the sch- um... Juggling reminded me of a joke I heard once or a story about a guy that he's driving and he sees a guy in a truck right in front of him. And every time he gets to a stoplight, he jumps out of his truck with a baseball bat and bangs on the side of the truck, runs back up when it turns green, drives to the next stoplight. As soon as it stops, gets out bangs the side of the truck with a baseball bat, jumps back up, gets back in when it turns green. He follows this guy down the street. He does it every single stoplight. And finally, he said, sir, you just got to tell me what's going on here. He says, well, here's the problem. He says, I've got three tons of canaries in the back of this truck, but it's only a two-ton capacity truck, so I've got to keep a ton of the canaries in the air at any given time, or it'll break down the truck. And that is exactly what we try to do in our lives. We try to keep the balls up there, the canaries, in the air at any given time. I have no idea if that's scientifically feasible, but uh, that's the way I heard the story. Now, the key, when Lisa says that, the whole thing that goes in your mind is, yes, but how? And the key is that downtime in your schedule is important because it is in your downtime that you can see clearly what, not just the tyranny of the urgent, but what is truly important. How many of you have the trouble, like I do, of the urgent things in life, crowd out the things that are truly important in our lives. And you think of Jesus. And and sometimes, you hear me do this all the time. It's helpful to think of Jesus, not as the son of God that we worship him as, but think of him from a secular viewpoint, just as the greatest leader that ever lived. I mean, he started the greatest movement in world history. 2,000 years ago, With no education, with just a tiny group of fishermen, of ordinary people, he only had a ministry of three years, about a thousand days, and yet he literally changed the course of human history. Biggest movement ever in world history. One out of three people on planet Earth in some way follow him today. Two out of three on planet Earth in some ways honor him. It's just staggering what you think that he did. And how did he do that? In a thousand days, he launched a movement that billions follow in every nook and cranny of the world 2,000 years later. He must have been so frantic. He must have just been running like that guy in the video, like crazy all the time. And yet when you read the gospel accounts of Jesus, he's always got this steady pace. It's just, it's remarkable that, I mean, if I had to do that in three years, I'd be going crazy. And he's just got this beautiful pace through his three years in which he launches this incredible movement. Okay. Well, here's the key. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat. I mean, people, I mean, he was a miracle worker. So people were just crowding him all the time and they were so busy, they didn't even have a chance to eat. I never get that busy, okay? I'm just gonna tell you. Carl, you know, I'm so sorry. I'm picking on Carl tonight. I have heard Carl, Lisa tells me, that you get so busy you forget to eat. I have never forgotten a meal in my life. I, 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 how many of you are like me? You know. And how many of you are like Carl? You actually get so busy you forget to eat. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. I, I've never missed a meal in my life, and you can tell. So he, they were so busy they didn't even have a chance to eat. He said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. This is the key. Jesus is always pulling away, getting alone with his father, getting his directions. Uh, And I I just, you know, what does that conversation look like? Well, it looks like uh, the father saying, this is what you don't do, and this is what you do. And you'll often see Jesus making these strategic decisions where he's like, nope, not going to go over and preach there. I'm going to go over here. And he just, he he listened to the father. He got alone enough that he would listening enough that he knew, and there's that place where it says that Jesus, when he's 12 years old, he's in the the father's house. You know, he says, I must be about my father's business. His parents find him in the temple, and he says, "Um, I've got to be about it. And then when he gets to the end of his life, he's hanging on the cross, and he says what? It is finished. That's because he knew what he was supposed to do at the age of 12. He simply did it without any other things crowding in, and then he was able to say, it is finished. Uh, First of all, be proactive about scheduling time with the truly important things, family, friends, and activities. Nobody on their deathbed ever said, I wish I'd spent an hour more at work. Nobody ever says that. Nurses that work with people on their deathbed, they say, they always say, I wish I'd work less and spent more time with the truly important um, people within my life. Build a rest routine into the pattern of your life. Now, this is something we're going to talk about in a couple of weeks, just to give you, let you know where we're going. Next Sunday night, Dr. Paul Kack is going to be back with us. And by the way, if you haven't heard him, unbelievable. I sit here and it's like trying to drink out of a fire hose. I mean, it's just like incredible and just like, you know, like a dog trying to get it out of a hose. He's just this fire hose of stuff. And he's going to be back with us. He's a professor at Azusa Pacific. He's an expert in this area. Absolutely spectacular. That's next Sunday night. Then the one after that, I'm gonna be teaching on the Sabbath principle, and I am so gung-ho on this because I think the whole principle that God gave us 3,500 years ago that one day out of seven should be set aside to listen to God, to rest, and to worship him, contemporary research is showing us that the body works at peak efficiency when you, work, when you take one day out of seven to rest, and it's confirming what the Bible taught us 3,500 years ago. It's just amazing that that's how we work at peak efficiency. And I think it is one of those beautiful concepts in all the Bible and very, very practical. Then spiritual renewal recharges your internal engine. You need to do that weekly with the what's called the Sabbath principle, which means the one day out of seven that they worshiped on Saturday. We tend to worship on Sunday. It really doesn't matter if you're a nurse or a uh, uh, you know, in medical field or or you're um, in police work or law enforcement, you need to pick another day, okay? If you're a pastor, uh, I pick Monday, okay? But you take that one day out of seven. doesn't matter which day, but the principle is one day out of seven to worship God and to have downtime. Here's an interesting thing. I read this article the other day. How many of you get great ideas when you're in the shower? Maybe this is too personal of a question to ask, okay? How many of you get great ideas when you're in the shower? I get... I mean, I need to keep something next to me, you know, to run out of the shower and dry off my hands and write it down before I forget it. Do you know that there's a scientific reason why that's true? It's because you're so distracted by the water coming down that your mind goes blank. And when your mind goes blank, ideas pop into your mind. Maybe it happens to you at other time. Anybody want to shout one out? When I'm driving a car, does that ever happen to you too? I get great ideas when I'm driving the car without the radio on. And when I'm just driving the car, boom, things come into my mind. There's a scientific reason for that. When you clear your mind, immediately you begin to see what's important and what's not important. And so that's why downtime is so incredibly important. Next page of your study outline, back to Lisa.
1: Just going to look at two really practical things that we can do to kind of help with this idea of freeing up our schedule a little bit and not letting busy become the busy monster that takes over our lives. Um, so the first one is that we need to figure out how to drop activities that sap our time and our energy. So these are things that we end up doing because we feel like we have to or because we've always done it that way. And we've never found a way to um, do it differently so that our schedule can be be freed up to do more of things that God has blessed us with, with that we w- enjoy doing, our family, our friends, our hobbies, those kinds of things. So let's look at this scripture in Romans 13, 11, and 12. It says this, but make sure that you don't get so absorbed and exhausted in taking care of all your day-by-day obligations that you lose track of the time and doze off oblivious to God. The night is about over. Dawn is about to break. Be up and awake to what God is doing. God is putting the finishing touches on the salvation work he began when we first believed. So this scripture is so cool because it really talks about this idea that God knows that we can get exhausted. God knows that we can get absorbed in some of the things that we do that that allows us not to be able to focus on the, the time and the people that are a priority in our life. Um, I want to put this picture up of these Bedouin people. Um, One of the things that my husband Carl and I enjoy doing is taking groups of people over to the Holy Land, which is over in Israel. We've taken a number of groups over, and one of the things that we always do with our tour groups is we pass um, these communities of Bedouin people. And Bedouin people, they, they pretty much wander through the desert area. They find a place for their animals to graze, and as soon as they've found enough nourishment, they pack everything up and they move on to their nectar location. So they are in fact homeless. They, they take their home with them. They, they wander around the desert. And do you know what tour guides tell us? That typically the average Bedouin lives to be over 100 years old. Can you believe that? That does not make logical sense to me. How, how can that happen when we here in Western culture have so many more advanced living properties than what these Bedouin people have? So, you know, if you think about it, maybe you think their diet, right? They tend to eat mostly fruits, vegetables. They don't need a ton of meat. So maybe it's just because they don't have all the chemicals and stuff in their diet. That's what you think, right? But they're like, no, that's not really it. It's, they have lack of stress in their life. Nothing stresses these people out. They pretty much Just wander and enjoy each other in community. They're with their family. They rely on um, nature and God to sustain them. They have a very, very simple way of doing life. There's simplicity, there's community, there's a rhythm of life. It's all about relationships and time. And so I think that maybe us here in this advanced Western culture that we get to enjoy, maybe could even learn a few things from the Bedouin people who live so simply that they have kind of this sense for what it is that they were made to do and what they were made for. So here's just a few ideas. Um, I'm sure you can think of others. Take stock of your activities that don't add to your career or your personal life. Now, careers are important. We, you know, need to earn a paycheck to care for our family, and so we don't want to, like, you know, chuck out the whole career bandwagon. Um, But when we have opportunities for other things, to really think about if those activities that we're engaging in at work are contributing to my career or to my family or the friends that are important to me. So, for example, if, if, you know, I maybe had a friend at work who was maybe a big gossiper or maybe really critical, and I ended up... Up spending more and more time with that person. I could see how that would kind of, that's not really building up my career. It's not really building up the relationships that I'm involved in. It's just me kind of getting sidelined into an area of my life that's kind of um, spending time in a way that's not really investing in the things that are important to me. Maybe spending time on your phone a lot, maybe before you go to bed or first thing in the morning. Um, We all probably could think about ways that we could use our phones perhaps a little bit less. Um, Maybe just living in clutter. I mean, Do you spend time just digging through stuff, looking for something that you need? Um, Digging through clutter and disorganization can be ways that we spend time not investing in the things that are important to us. Uh, Maybe overspending money, overeating, um, maybe information addiction. I mean, who likes to check the sports scores constantly or check CNN and the news constantly? I mean, we all have these little addictions that we feed. Um, So the next one is figuring out ways to limit social media, making personal calls, and checking your bank accounts. Um, You know, I'm so excited when Glenn preaches uh, in a few weeks on on the Sabbath principle because I think it's so important for us to figure out this routine of when we work, we work with all we've got. When we're with our family, we're intentional about building into our family with all we've got. And it just breaks my heart when I see pictures or hear of families that, you know, they're like sitting together. Have you ever gone to like Starbucks and there's a family there and everybody's on their phone and nobody's talking to each other? Doesn't it just break your heart that we have built this culture that almost doesn't even know how to engage and talk with one another? And then at the end of the day, ask yourself, who is most important to you? Did you intentionally invest your time there? And I try and and think about that at the end of my day. And some days I'm like, oh, man, I did not spend enough time with my kids. Oh, man, I did not spend enough time with my husband. And it just breaks my heart. And we can spend our lives feeling guilty about that, or I can make a conviction. Tomorrow is a new day tomorrow I'm going to do this differently. God help me. God help me with this. These are the people I love. These are the people I invest in. How do I make sure that I do my job that you have called me to do with all my heart, soul, strength, and mind? I love my job, but I also love these people. I love my friends. I love my family that lives in Michigan and Florida. Have I talked to them lately? It's my niece's birthday today, and I have not called her yet. I'm going to do that on our way home. I have to call my niece. So, you know, there's moments that we can feel guilty or we just um, get a do-over day after day to to look at that. I want to recommend a book to you. It's called Making Room for Life by Randy Frazee. This is a really great book. If this is a topic that you're interested in, I'd encourage you to pick it up. Um, He's a great writer. He's a pastor. um, And he gives really practical suggestions for how to get the busy out of our life and focus on the things that are important. Okay, next one rethink your errands. This is just one of those things, if any of you are ever on the the errand run, um, of something that we can do to free up some of our time by simplifying some of these things. Let's look at this scripture in Luke 10, 38 through 42. This is a story um, about Jesus encountering some people. As they continued their travel, Jesus entered a village, and a woman by the name of Martha welcomed him and made him feel quite at home. But she had a sister, Mary, who sat before the master, who sat before Jesus hanging or listening to every word that he said. But Martha pulled away by all she had to do in the kitchen. She had to make dinner. She had to set the table. She had to go get some clean water. She had to make sure that everything was ready for the meal. Come on, we've got company here. We've got things to do. Later, she stepped in, interrupting them. "'Master, Jesus, don't you care that my sister has abandoned the kitchen to me? Tell her to lend me a hand.' And the master Jesus said, Martha, dear Martha, you're fussing far too much and getting yourself worked up over nothing. One thing only is essential. Okay, so like star, highlight, memorize that word. He didn't say what Martha was doing was bad or wrong. In fact, what she was doing was very much part of the culture. That was She was actually doing what was expected of her culturally, to prepare. She was actually doing the right thing. But Jesus said, this is a better thing. This is an essential thing to take some time and pause, especially when you are in the presence of Jesus. Um, only this thing is essential, and Mary has chosen it. It's the main course and won't be taken away from her. A A couple summers ago, I broke my foot, and this was highly inconvenient. I was pregnant, I had three small children, and I was halfway across the country in Michigan, and I had to get back to California. And I was not, I mean, it's hard for me to, it was hard for us to travel with three small children, you know, when I was functioning with all Functions, but being on crutches and not being able to walk, it was so so hard. And I'm I'm a pretty high task person. I can get quite a lot done independently, but man, I hit that place where I needed help. I could not do everything on my own, and so I really had to reexamine how I got errands done for that six weeks. And so um, when you get an opportunity to think differently out of necessity, it really gives you a chance to figure out if there's different things you can do in your schedule. So here's just a few. I'm sure you can think of others, too. Consider outsourcing. There are things that we do because our parents always did them that way, or our grandparents always did them that way, or our husband or our wife's family have that expectation of us that maybe we don't have to do that way. Maybe we could do them differently. I had a broken foot, and all of a sudden, this vision popped into my head of the Vons grocery delivery truck it was a beautiful vision. And so I got online, and I tried to figure that out. And do you know they would deliver my groceries for free the first time I used them? And then I found out there are coupon codes that I could get groceries delivered for free if I ordered certain things. I'm like, this is genius! How come everybody doesn't use this? The grocery delivery man became one of my favorite human beings on the planet because it saved me so much time and allowed me to do an errand out of necessity that I soon realized could be done um, by outsourcing something that I always had to do myself. Maybe there's a a neighbor kid that we could pay to mow the lawn or take care of the pool. Um, Maybe there's a way that you could go online and get your postage stamps instead of going down to the post office to do that. Um, You know, There's all kinds of things, even when you're on a tight budget, that you can find ways to outsource some of your tasks so that frees up some of your time so you're not so busy doing those things that you can invest in the things that you want to do. Here's a couple other ideas. Consider trading services. Um, We know a lot of families that will trade um, for babysitting nights out. It's a great way to do a, a service exchange. I'll watch your kids for one night if you watch our kids for the next night. Or um, maybe even trading meals. If you like to cook, maybe you could make a bunch of meals and you could trade that for something else. I've got a friend that cuts hair, and so I love to trade her food for coming over and cutting all my kids' hair. It's a wonderful exchange. saves me time, and we get to talk in my kitchen, which is beautiful. So there's all kinds of ways that you can trade services. Um, And maybe most importantly, to recognize you do not have to do it all. You do not have to do it all. You do not have to keep all of those balls in the air all by yourself. We are a community, and we need to get to know each other enough so that we can take some of that pressure off each other and enjoy um, what God has given each of us the talents to do. When we have all of those balls in our air, we never really are able to fully engage with one another, and that's something I believe God really wants us to do, that maybe there's a few of those balls in the air that we can actually set down. All right. Pastor Glenn's going to talk a little bit about our... Um I'm
0: taking notes because Lisa gets more done than any other human being I've ever met. I mean, it's just like, I feel like a total slob around her. So she, This is good stuff. Now I know it's all about grocery deliveries and, uh, you know, all this stuff, you know. So, um, so Noah, I just think of my youngest son, you know, just do all this stuff. So I'm getting brilliant ideas, Noah. You're going to be so glad we came tonight. All right, here we go. Take care of your temple. By the way funny thing with the whole, why do we do things? Well, because our mother did it, and grandmother and grandmother. You ever hear the story about the woman who always cut the end off the ham? Did you ever hear that? And uh, and so they said, why'd you do it? Well, let's ask mom. Ask her. She goes, well, because my mom did it. Why'd she do it? I, I don't know. Let's ask grandmother. So they asked the great-grandmother had gone through three generations of cutting the end off the ham. She says, why'd you cut the end off the ham? She goes, because That was the the only size pan that I had. And so I had to, you know, put it in that particular size. So there's a lot of those, like railroad tracks today. um, You know, the space shuttle's on a railroad track. It's all because of a certain railroad track they did 200 years ago. So it's good to ask the question, why do we always have to keep doing things exactly the same way? And that has to do with taking care of what the Bible says calls our body our temple. Robert Murray McShane, a great preacher in the 1700s, And he was a young guy, and he was like the best preacher of his time. And he went crazy, preaching everywhere, nonstop, from dawn till dusk. And finally, at like the age of 30, he lay dying because he literally preached himself to death. He literally worked so hard that he broke his health. And on his deathbed, he he said these words, God gave me a message to share, and I went and killed the horse that delivered it. And he had so abused his body, doing the thing God had called him to do, that he died prematurely rather than doing it over a 70- or an 80-year period. Now, isn't that a cheerful story to begin to end our time on? Uh, How do you take care of your temple? Get more done by increasing your energy level. Some of these I'm good at, some of them I'm not. Eating well is my great struggle in life. I love to exercise. And so whenever I try to lose weight, I try to increase exercise, but I never want to decrease what I eat. And my doctor told me the other day, he says, Glenn, you will never be able to out-exercise your appetite. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm like, oh, thanks a lot. But it's so true. Because I always, I, I mean, I still try to do it because I really enjoy running and exercise. I really love that. I do not love saying no to myself at the dinner table. I'm dreaming of that lasagna that's over there right now. I'm thinking of that lasagna. And when he said that, you will never be able to out-exercise your appetite. And now I realize that I've got to do both and if I want to get my temple in shape. Here's why I love exercise. Do you know that studies show that for every hour you exercise, you gain an hour of life? I'm serious. I mean, theoretically, you can just exercise 24 hours; you'd never die. But, uh, but you know, there's a limit to it. But bottom line is, every if you think about it, it it really first it's like, oh, that sounds crazy. No, if you hour and exercise an hour a day, that's a twenty-fourth of your life. uh, That would add three years to your life, wouldn't it? Easily exercise an hour a day easily add three hours to your life. You cannot waste time exercising. Every minute you exercise, you will regain at the end of your life. So it's like, why not do that? Uh, Sleep. Um, I remember hearing a speaker one time say, before any major life decision, get 12 hours of sleep. And so, I mean, if ever, I mean, it's a very rare occasion, but sometimes on vacation, uh, I'll I'll sleep 12 hours straight and I'll jump out of bed and say, I need to make a major decision right now. Find me a big decision to make. But that was a great, brilliant idea. Before any major decision, make sure uh, you are well-rested. Lisa, finish us off.
1: All right, well, um, let's just look at this next point. Um, A little relaxation goes a long way, and so um, basically that means go take a vacation. Everybody, go take a vacation. Um, you can see some of the points there, um, you know, that we can just find little ways to, to, to put rest into our day. Leave office one hour earlier, one day a week. Spend an hour a week doing a hobby. Busy day, still take 10 or 15 minutes to rest and relax with God daily. And so what I, I want to just lead us in is just an opportunity for us to close up tonight, just praying over what your schedule is. Um, and really asking God, Is am I using my time the way you want me to? Am I busy Am I too busy? God, what should I cut out? And so I'm going to encourage you, if you keep your schedule on your phone, if you've got your day planner in your head, you're, you're cool. But if you've got it with you, just pull it out. And um, I just want us to take a moment and just actually pray over what our schedule is this week and ask God if there's anything God would have us change um, or maybe consider differently. So um, I'm just going to give us a, a moment to silently do that, and then I'll close us up. God, I thank you for each person that you've gathered here tonight, Lord. I I thank you for the opportunity for us to to sit and invest in each other's lives and hear your word. And uh, God, I thank you for the opportunity for us to think about this idea of busyness in our life. Um, It's been such a a good one for me to think about what I can release and what I can change um, so that um, the hours that you give me, I use effectively. I use them well. I use them for your glory. I use them to invest in the the people um, that are dear to my heart, Lord. Uh, So, Jesus, I just Pray this for each of us that you would really bring to our heart and our mind today, tonight, before we go to bed. Maybe one thing that we can give up in our schedule, maybe one thing that we can change in our schedule, um, maybe one person that we've been neglecting that we can spend a little bit more time with. And Jesus, I thank you that you are a good God and you are a mighty God. So if there's anyone who can help us with all the balls in the air, it's you. And so, God, I, I pray that you will help us to work and do our work well but I pray that you would help us to rest well and play well also, Lord. And help us, God, as we seek that balance. Uh, So we just commit our lives and we commit our schedules to you now in Jesus' name. Amen.